Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The newness of the dopamine, the cert, like we have literally flooded with feel-good hormones and we have sex with someone new. So there's nothing to talk about. It is ice cream every single time. But then it's not. Then it's like having some broccoli. It's Violet Benson, your favorite meme queen and the big sis you didn't ask for, but need. Welcome to Almost Adulting. Almost Adulting. Almost Adulting. Are you ready? Hi, everyone. I'm Violet Benson. Welcome to a brand new Almost Adulting, your number one destination for personal growth and mental health. I am your host, your big sister and your best friend, Violet Benson. Today, I have an amazing guest. I thought it would be the perfect way to start off June month with Emily Morse, Sex with Emily. She's a sex therapist, a doctor, an author, TV personality. She has a masterclass. She's a podcast host, Uh Sex with Emily, and she also has a brand new book called Smart Sex, which we will be discussing today and figuring out. We're also going to do a little quiz for you guys today as well before you are able to purchase the book. I think the book comes out to purchase this week. But regardless, I'm going to put that in the description bio of this episode. But anyway, she is a fan favorite. You guys are obsessed with Emily every time she comes on. So Emily, welcome. Oh, so good to be here with you, Violet. I love talking about sex with you. I love talking about sex with you. I know. We have such a good time. And I feel like we've grown so much together over the years, or at least from my point of view, you helped me grow because we even talked about it. I just did her podcast, by the way, you guys. So definitely check, check out, out my episode Great episode. You were very real. Thank you. But I think it's really cool just to see the progress of how I've grown from the first time I ever interviewed, which interviewed you, which was all about how to pleasure a man mm-hmm. versus now when we've had these conversations, including the the one I just did on your podcast, where I talked about more what I like and my pleasure and understanding my body. And I think that's such a big change for, for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a big evolution. I was thinking about that because it was probably about four years ago now that we first met. I hadn't, we hadn't met yeah. before. And you had all these questions for me and a lot of them were based on like, well, what do I do? Like, how do I give a blowjob? Or what about my orgasm face? Like, what if a guy looks at me and I'm making a weird face? And does a guy really want to go down on me? And it was a lot about the male gaze and pleasing a man, which which is really where a lot of us come from anyway. And that's what I'm trying what to reframe. What we see in porn, yeah. You're what we see in porn. We see in porn, which not totally knocking porn, but porn is not an accurate depiction of sex. And it's really a disservice to many because, yeah, we're thinking that like it was all about you had to do all these things to please a man. And then I said to you, Violet, what about your pleasure? Do you have orgasms? What makes you feel good? So now, I mean, my heart was so full in talking to you because you really have, we we did your sexual intelligence quiz and we realized that you had really done the work to learn to love your body, understand how to have orgasms, ask for what you want, your confidence, you feel grounded. And what I want to say too is people can start wherever they're at on their sexual journey. Like I'm still always learning too. Right. You were not like this rare person. Like you actually did such a service 
being so vulnerable and open a few years ago, but I know you helped so many of your listeners too, because the stuff I talk about isn't that commonplace yet. We're working yeah. on it. There's been some evolution in the last few years, but a lot of women still feel like they exist for male pleasure. What would you say some of the most common issues or concerns that you hear the most from your listeners and how can we kind of address them in our own lives? I would say the most common concerns I hear from people is that they don't feel turned on when their partner is. For example, they don't feel desire when they want to feel desire. They don't understand what gets them turned on and what doesn't get them turned on. So I like to call it like if you're in a relationship, it's like mismatched libidos. But I think sometimes you're like, well, I was really turned on yesterday, but I wasn't turned on today. That's, I would say that's one of the the common things. Why can't I have an orgasm with a partner? I would say is a big one. I used to have orgasms. Now I don't have orgasms. I think this 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 notion that we don't really know how to decode what's happening sexually at any moment. Because sex isn't just some magical thing that's always going to feel great all of the time. And which is why I also wrote this book. I was like, I, I've been answering these questions for almost 20 years, believe it or not. I want people to be able to go in and figure out what what's going on with them. Like maybe you can't have an orgasm because it's too cold in the room. Or maybe you're on a new medication or like the, maybe you aren't having some resentments towards your partner. Like there's a lot of ways to answer the common questions and everyone's going to have a different answer. But to answer it, it's why aren't I in the mood for sex? Why can't I have an orgasm? Why is my pain as hard when it sometimes I want it to be hard? You know, how can I be more confident in the bedroom? You know what's interesting? I think a lot of the time when we ask those questions, why am I not more turned on or why am I not turned on? We usually tend to blame our partners for it. Yes. If I'm not turned on, oh, I must not be attracted to this person because obviously he did, versus being like, oh, am I harboring some anger towards my partner that I haven't communicated from? Or, or right. do I feel bad about myself, so exactly. I'm in my head and that's why I'm not being turned on. Yeah, exactly. It's not, ju- it's not so easy. It's not so binary. It's not like they did something wrong. I'm mad at them. They must not know how to. I used to think that guys were like shipped off to some secret school where they learned all about my body. I was like, they're going to show up and they're going to know exactly what you like a video game. And then I'd be mad if I didn't have an orgasm or I didn't have pleasure. And then I came to find out that guys don't actually really know. And she thought that when she was like a teenager. Yeah, exactly. Not last year. (laughs) Not last year. But no, up until I'd say my 20s, I, I, I actually did think that guys knew more than me. And it turns out that every time you're with a new partner, you get to learn about each other, that you're coming in, you can just wipe a slate clean and be like, right now we are in this room, there's a two of us, let's learn about how we're feeling in this moment. But yeah, we're responsible for our own orgasms. We're responsible for our own pleasures. We can't blame our partner. We can talk to them about it. Like maybe we do resent them or maybe I need something more from them, but they won't know until I talk to them about it. Exactly. I mean, uh, for example, my sister, she hates when I mention her, so Your let's friend. pretend my my sister who's my friend my friend who's my sister <laughs> she a while back i remember uh, they had to kind of almost schedule intercourse her and her partner her husband because they were so busy with work and then she said he's so sexually active and i'm sometimes just not feeling it because i need to talk first yes. i need that's it i need that intimacy before uh-huh. we just dive in and it's all about then communicating letting your partner know because so i think i think sometimes you hear words like 
it's your responsibility to come or what did mm-hmm. you just say? It said you're responsible for your own pleasure. You're responsible for your own orgasm and people may misunderstand that and they think, what the fuck? That's not like, no, the person should know. No, but you you have to tell people, quote unquote, how you want to be loved, mm-hmm. whether it's in a friendship, whether it's platonic relationships, yes. sexual relationships, loving relationships, whether it's your love languages or even how you need to come. Like uh, the other day I was talking to a guy and I told him the only way right now I can come is if on my stomach. I don't know why, but that's the only way I can orgasm even if I masturbate so that was me then letting him know and then now he has a now he has that information then if we do end up having sex then he'll know what I need to orgasm so So if he doesn't help me with that then I know he's not a good sexual partner exactly like you told him you gave the information and you because on your own you did the deep dive, if you will. You learned it. You figured out what worked for you. And then you tell your partner, no, we have to troubleshoot. Like we have to just kind of decode it. But a lot of people haven't even figured it out. They don't really think about it. They just kind of close their eyes. They go to bedroom like, I just hope, kind of hope this we figure it out together. But most people really don't. So even your friend scheduling sex is a, actually a really smart thing to do sometimes for couples who get too busy in their day-to-day life and they don't know how to make time for it. So sometimes scheduling it is like a great thing to do because then now you know it's happening. You don't have to like worry that your partner's going to want it and then you don't want it and then you could build up to it. Because maybe to get in the mood, like now she's scheduling it, but then she realizes like, oh, I need to make sure that I have, like, this is all the elements that I want. I give people all these tools so they can figure out what they need to be aroused. So maybe she needs to make sure she's shaved or she can't focus if she's right. not shaved. Maybe she needs clean sheets. Maybe she needs to make sure she hasn't eaten too big of a meal or she needs to know that she's eaten so she's not hungry or there has to be lube or the toy has to be charged. There's all, you know, like when you go to work out, you don't just like show up at the gym in your dress. You're like, no. I put my tennis shoes on. I, I wet my gym bag. I got my water bottle. There's I got all my these makeup things. and hair got, done. Exactly. Now it's well, time to go to the gym. <laughs> exactly. So I feel like there's all of these things that we need for sex. There's all these tools and accessories and there's like things that need to happen for sex to happen. We just think sex is just going to magically just sort of happen out of nowhere. And it doesn't. It takes preparation, planning. It takes it takes all these other elements. But it's the other thing is it's different for everybody too. Yeah. Like what you might need in your gym bag to go to the gym might be different from my gym bag, but we're both going to work out. Right. You have 10 people getting ready for sex. They're going to need 10 different things. So people have to figure out what are the things that are required for me to have the best sex of my life tonight. So what do you think the biggest misconception is when it comes to sex? I think the biggest misconception when it comes to sex is that we should always be turned on and ready to go just because of our partner is. Um, that we should. My partner made a gesture. They kissed my neck or they said, let's let's do it. And I'm not in the mood right now and I feel bad that I'm not ready to go. I should, yeah. I think that's one of the big, biggest misconceptions. Yeah, that we should always be turned on, that our body's always going to react the same way, that sex is the same every single time we have sex. That we right. don't have to evolve, that if we have to talk, here's another big misconception. If we have to talk about sex, our sex life, it must mean there's a problem, there's something wrong and we should break up because it should always be great. Yeah, like every time you go for, people equate it to like, you know, every time you go out for dessert, it's good. You're like, I'm going to go get ice cream. Like no one's ever like, that was a shit ice cream. You're like, right. that was pretty good ice cream. If they didn't have the splint, like they didn't have the sprinkles I wanted or even if they didn't have the flavor I wanted, ice cream's delicious. People think that sex should always be delicious without trying because it's sex. But it's it there it's it's complicated. It's there's a lot of different factors that need to happen to make sex great. What people are, but why people think that is because typically when you're with somebody new, it's intoxicating, it's exciting, it's thrilling. It's the first three months to six months of a relationship. I've never been with this person before. I've never kissed them this way. They've never seen me. It, it's 
the newness or the dopamine, the cert, like we have literally flooded with feel good hormones when we have sex with someone new. So there's nothing to talk about. It is ice cream every single time. Right. But then it's not. Then it's like having some broccoli, some chicken dinner. It's still good, but it's not that same thrill. So that's when you have to reverse engineer it and think what's going to make it great again. When you first have sex sleep with someone, a lot of times it seems that your partner, especially the men, they'll flip you around. They try to do all these acrobatic things. And that always confuses me why they need to try all these new positions. Because I'm thinking, <laughs> we'll sleep together again. You don't have to get everything out. We don't have to do everything brand new just this first time. And exactly. I never understand that part. Because I think they're trying to show off. Like, here's yeah. my prowess. Here's what I can do. I can do Doug and stuff from the left i can do the wheelbarrow position i can do the all these positions and i think that at the end of the day we don't really need that many positions but i think they're showing you that i am an active virile lover and i can toss you and throw you around and again the reason why is because there's all these misconceptions that that that's what we want and i think and not to knock the people who do want all the positions some people do want those positions but typically no i think they're kind of like puffing their chest and showing you yeah. all the things they can move. I think the biggest misconception when it comes to sex you based think? on your book and what I've learned from you that I also just mentioned on your podcast when I th the one I just did so everyone should listen to it. is the fact the biggest misconception would be that foreplay starts in the bedroom because as you say in your book and just on your podcast yeah. that foreplay starts outside of the bedroom yes. whether you're communicating on what you like in the bedroom you have to do it outside of the bedroom like you taught me or whether you're learning how to love yourself and your body or how you orgasm it starts outside of the bedroom outside of you and a partner yeah you first do it by yourself exactly foreplay all day foreplay is the kind because foreplay is about arousal and attraction and so it's sending a sexy text to somebody letting him know that it's it's building anticipation it's keeping your own sexual energy flowing so through like masturbation or just talking to your partner like just the build up like you know before you go on vacation somewhere and you start packing and you get your bathing suits and you look at pictures of the blue water and if you're going with a partner you're like oh my god we're gonna have so much fun we're going to walk on the beach. That's what foreplay is. Foreplay is like building up to the sex act. Like, let's talk about it. Because when we just wait for it to happen and we get into the bedroom, sometimes it's just like, I didn't know it was coming. I didn't see it. I didn't know I'm not going to come. Like, we have to treat, like, foreplay starts after the last orgasm. Foreplay starts outside the bedroom. Yeah. That's I like it. that. I like that too. Over the years of all the people that you've helped navigate their sexual relationships and issues, what would you say one piece of advice that you still find yourself giving out frequently? And why do you think it's so important? I would say the most frequent advice is probably communication is a lubrication. I've been saying it since the beginning of time. And in fact, in my book, the book is called Communication is a Lube. That's what I named the chapter. Because it's not – the more that we talk about sex, the better sex we're going to have. It is a muscle. It is a skill set. Talking about – listen, being good in bed is a skill set. We can all learn to be great lovers, to be good in bed. We are not born being sensual and sexual. And, and there is no way we are born – knowing how to talk about sex. In fact, we know how to not talk about sex. We are so afraid to talk about sex with our partners most of the time that we just stay mute. We hope they've kind of figured it out. Right. So I would say the biggest tip is to talk about sex. And then I get in the book, I give scripts because I know that it's hard because I've after all the years, people are like, well, what do you mean? When do I say it? How do I say it? So I literally give like 20 scripts for every sexual situation that you want to have. Okay. 
be, even though I had a bunch of other questions, there's this one question I want to jump into just yeah. for women in general. So how, okay, when it comes to sex and every, sex is such a vulnerable moment for both parties and we all get in our heads, you know, you're thinking about your body, the guys think he's going to come too fast and all that stuff. Yes. How do you give yourself that pep talk to feel good enough about your body so you don't get in your head when you're naked with a new partner? Mm, I think that is such a good question. I mean, first, I think what, what really helps is a mindfulness practice, a practice of breathing and learning to be connected to your body. You can do this during masturbation, which is why when you ask me the most common advice is communication and then masturbation, because masturbation is how we connect to our bodies. It's the relationship to ourself. So when you are masturbating, you can be breathing, you can practice being centered and focused and grounded and connected to your body. Um, and then you could take that into the bedroom with somebody and just know that I have this relationship with myself separate from somebody else. And I know how to be naked. I now feel comfortable naked with myself. I'm not hating on my body. Even it's body neutrality. I mean, a lot of us walk around bashing our bodies all day. I don't like my body. I don't look naked. Oh my God. Like someone's going to see me naked. And then we wonder why we can't have satisfying sex because we get in the bedroom with somebody and we're like, oh my God, now I'm really naked. So I think the affirmations, looking at yourself naked, you you actually talked about this on my podcast too, about how you get naked with someone, no matter what, where you are in your body and your weight and all the things that you worry about. You're like, uh, you turn yourself on. And I would say that is some of the best advice ever. And there have actually been studies that show that women who look at themselves in the mirror, whether it's during sex, before sex, on their own, turn themselves on. They get more aroused by looking at themselves. And you already know. And your partner gets attracted And your partner is attracted to you being attracted to yourself. So that's what confidence is. It's infectious. If you get into the room with your partner, you're like, turn the lights off, put the sheets over me, cover, I don't want to take my shirt off. It's it's not you're not showing up in your full sexual expression of your energy like your partner's going to read on that but if you show in and, and confident and comfortable and at least comfortable like I know that I'm going to be naked now and I I see what my body can do because it's going to be a really a much better message to send and much better I like hotter. that and I guess if if you know that you're not feeling the best about your body, then you tell your partner how you want to be loved. But instead of saying, I feel insecure about my body, I think then I would think I would tell my partner, I love it when you tell me how hot I am. Yes. And then and and then I think sometimes if I don't hear that, I, I think subconsciously I do this without realizing because I'm thinking about it now, where if I was getting naked at one point because I'm about to have sex, I'm like, I look so hot. Do you like, do you like, do you like how I'm taking off my clothes? Do you like that? So I ask questions yes. and they're like, yeah, it's turning me on. Yes, you're so hot. And then that's, you know, egging me on to feel sexy in my body because, you know, now looking back when, when I got off birth control with my PCOS and I gained like 10 to 12 pounds or something and I was struggling to get, uh, to lose it, not only was I feeling bad in my own skin and my body, but I also broke out and I got acne on my chest, on my back. And then I would, just look at my back and I felt so self-conscious and I was like, okay, when my acne clears, then I would let a man see me naked. When I lose those five pounds, mm. then I will let a man see me naked. And it's such a silly thing because we forget that literally the guy's so excited to just, you know, be entering a hole, any hole. <laughs> he's so happy to be naked with you. And he's, ne they are never looking at the things that we, that we worry about at all. 
Yeah, so. but if we don't feel good about ourselves, it doesn't matter what they tell us. Because even if a guy told me at that time, you're so sexy, you're so hot, I'd be like, oh, you're just saying that. Oh, you're just trying to get with me. Uh, you know, versus being like, yeah, of course. I love that you leave that. I think that is such a great example. Like, I almost want to put a pin. Like, I want people to like really like take that in and be like that you literally are in there going like, aren't I hot? Like, look. Because they're like, well, I don't want to have to ask for it. No, you're like suggesting. You're like, this is how I feel. Don't you see this? It's just such a great collaborative, a collaborative erotic process. Right. I think that we could like, I think that there's so much to learn from that. You don't feel less than because you had to ask it. It actually fueled your desire and your arousal, which is so hot. Exactly. And and to be to be fair, I think a little, times in the past when it's always when I didn't feel the best about my body, then end up dating someone, end up sleeping with them because I'm always like, okay, I'll wait till I feel better about myself and then I'll have sex. In reality, sometimes sex just happens because you're turned on and trust me, mm-hmm. when I slept with whomever I slept with, they were not they were not thinking, did you gain a few pounds? Yeah. No, <laughs> like, no one's thinking that. But even if that happened, then you can just leave. If someone shames you and makes you feel bad, you should like absolutely leave. But all these conditions we put like once I lose the weight or once I have more experience, then I'll feel sexy, then I'll have sex, I think is another way that we are just keeping ourselves from pleasure and having more satisfying lives, which is also what I wrote about in Smart Sex, is the prioritization of pleasure and how we put it on the back burner. We think we don't deserve it. But actually, the more pleasure we have in our life, the more productive we are, the more, the better we feel in our bodies. Pleasure is presence. We're present with someone. We're connecting with someone. Pleasure doesn't come as, it shouldn't only come as a reward to something like once I lose the weight or once I do all these things. Try to integrate pleasure into your day-to-day, in your day-to-day life. It doesn't just mean sexual pleasure, but it could be like, Walking with a friend, going shopping, doing something in nature, whatever makes you feel good. But orgasming is actually scientifically good for you. Yes, orgasm is good for your moods. It's good for your um, body, for your youth, for your health. Everything. Orgasms are also very productive and they can change your mood around. And in fact, there's a lot of people I think who don't have orgasms, they don't masturbate. They're like, well, I'm not in a relationship right now, so I don't need to masturbate or I'll wait till it's like that's first off. I am in a relationship, relationship, so I don't need to masturbate. People often think they're in a relationship and they don't need to masturbate. Thank you. They're in a relationship and they don't need to masturbate, which I'm telling you, that's the other common advice I have is like, you should mask, think of like your, your workouts. You should be masturbate whether you're in a relationship or whether you're out of a relationship. That is a, lo- a self-love practice that should never wane. And the more that we give ourselves pleasure, the more pleasure we're going to want. Sex begets sex. So if also if you've been feeling like I'm in a little bit of rut or I don't feel my sexual energy, like keep it going with that with daily masturbation. I have some great practices too. Meditate, masturbate, manifest is a great practice of just like waking up, because med- you're talking about in the bedroom too, how do you stay focused? How do you stay present in the bedroom? Training your mind to be present on what you're feeling, like like a few minutes of meditation, then manifest, like having an orgasm, med- meditating, meditating, then masturbating to the point of orgasm. And then when you're orgasming, thinking of like manifesting what you want to happen that day, that year, that month is a very powerful practice. For women out there, including myself, I think oral is the one thing that feels tricky. It's easy for me, obviously, to give oral. But when it comes to my own body, I definitely get in my head before it's about to happen, whether they're going to like my vagina, regardless of how much I've already worked on myself and how much people already told me enough times that my vagina is fine, how much we also post about it and telling all vaginas look the same. and They're great. We still have that small insecurity does it smell weird? Does it look weird when it's opened up? Does it look weird when I'm standing? Is he going to judge it? Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. How do you get past that where a guy 
because at this point, I feel it feels that guys beg to give me oral. And I still get in my head a little like guys would be like, just sit on my face. And then I'm like, oh, what is the image is the image of me sitting on their face? Is it gross? Is it weird uh. versus just being, oh, my God, thank you so much for your service. If yeah. you're hungry, I'll feed you. <laughs> exactly. Here I go. Yeah, you know, body, learning to really accept our bodies as it is, is a practice and being with a partner that you know wants to give you pleasure, first off, is another thing accepting. Like if someone's saying sit in my face or let me go down on you, you can pretty rest assured that they want to do that. So a lot of times we are... We are keeping ourselves from having some of the best pleasure, pleasure yeah. ever. Women have more orgasms from oral sex and fingers and a mouth and fingers and toys than they do a penis. Just going to say it here. And so it's really, really important to take that time and to learn. So how do we get our heads? First off, every vulva is different. Every vagina is different. Vulva is the external part. If you like look at something like the vulva gallery on Instagram or there's a bunch of different sites, you'll see that we're all different first off. There's not like a uniform vulva and everyone's is a little bit different looking. There's there might, the porn vulva. There's the porn vulva, which is like tucked in, cheats towards camera, have, might have makeup on it. There, there is the porn vulva. That is not like most vulvas at all and the best so i think one of the things is how we can start to get more comfortable in our body is through masturbation because when you realize the power and the sensations and how amazing you can feel you're gonna crave that feeling to show that to another person to have another person give that to you you're gonna realize that like pleasure is your birthright you deserve to feel good at it. And I think it helps to look at some of these pictures of other vulvas, finding other sex positive media. If you go to my Instagram too, it's Sex with Emily. We're always posting like different pictures so you can see what yours looks like. I think that um, on, and, and then unfollowing accounts that make you feel bad. So let me just say that. That's part of it. Because it's a whole body positivity, you know, movement is like just going towards things that make you feel good. And then being with a trusted partner and someone who makes you feel good about yourself. So the other thing is like some of the best advice I give to someone who's going down on a vulva, going down on a woman is to say, Hey babe, I'm, you look so good. You taste so good. Lay down. I'm not going anywhere. We have all night. Like, Ooh. I mean, cause then we can relax into it. We're like, they really want to be here. This person really wants to please me. That makes me feel so good. So I think cause a lot of times we're in our heads. Like I know I used to feel if a guy went down to me, I would be looking at the clock. I'd be like, it's been two minutes. It's been four minutes. It's been, does he really want to do this? And then I would like fake my orgasms. So I was like, it's never going to happen because I'm so worried. Right. So I think the third thing is a mindfulness practice is learning how to breathe in the moment and feel what you're feeling. Like sentence of my head's going, does he want to do it? Do I smell? Da, da, da. I'll go take a deep breath and I literally breathe into my pelvic floor. I might even do a little kegel, a little squeeze of my pelvic floor, which is those pee stopping muscles because that immediately grounds me in the moment. And then I'm like, oh, what am I feeling? I get out of my head, into my body. I'm like, oh, their tongue. Their tongue feels good. Their fingers feel good. And then my mind might go to, but do I really want it? And I go back to the moment. So it's a yeah. practice of going back. It's a I like that because I think over the weekend when that one guy asked to go down on me, I think I want to say that I said no because I wanted to be in control. I didn't want to take it too far. But I think in reality, it was the thought of, oh, wait, I barely know this person. He's about to see my my vagina. What if he doesn't like it and all these things? And that's why I stopped myself from having pleasure. Yes. Mm -hmm. Was because of that. Just a thought, uh, I have to get more comfortable before he sees my vagina, even though my vagina is fine. Exactly. And he wanted to do it. But the other thing is, but also I want to say this, that maybe you just weren't ready. Maybe you just met him. You didn't feel safe enough with him. That's okay too. Him. 
What? I did just meet him. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, listen, somebody putting their face in your genitals is a very vulnerable, private act of opening up, of surrendering, of feeling safe with somebody. So also I want to say, trust that too. Like trust that maybe it wasn't the time. Yeah. You know? But also like if you do want, it just it, we have to parse out what it is. So it sounds like it was a lot of different things. But then also you could be like, you know what? I don't really care. I don't fucking see this person again, but I know I like oral sex. So I'm going to let go of like, whatever he might care because I actually don't care what he thinks of it because I want his tongue between my legs. Period. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? (laughs) Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard... We think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So what is what advice do you have on getting... Now a woman got comfortable with her body and, okay, I want oral sex. How do you have that conversation? Or if you're not comfortable with having the conversation, how do you kind of get a guy to go down on you if they're not offering? Well, that's when you climb on his face. Whoa. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, I think this is, again, a communication um, tact where a lot of times you have to talk about this kind of thing outside of the bedroom. Because... I mean, oh, you just kind of off the bat say, I love moment. when a guy goes yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, off the bat. You'd be taking it. You'd be like, oh my God, so what are you into? What's the hottest? I mean, I'm assuming this is somebody that maybe you've been with for a while, that you've been dating for whatever. You just say, so what was the, what do you think of our sex life? What was the hottest moment for you? And then you'd be like, yeah, I really love when we were making out. And I was thinking like, I love oral sex. Like I've just been, or you could just say, I've been fantasizing about you going down on me. It's like the core Fantasi- part of it. yes. Yeah, just be like, I was masturbating yesterday. And get, you could even sex this. Oh my God, I keep thinking about you going down to me and what that would feel like. Tell them. So in a hookup, not everyone is having their conversation. So they're just rushing in. What was your name again? Todd. Okay, cool, whatever. <laughs> they're about to fuck. They're they're hooking up. And now, you know, it just seems so obvious right away when you take off your clothes, you, the girl starts to give the guy head versus the opposite <sighs> way. So feed that way. Right. how do you kind of, you don't have the time to conversation right yeah, now. Yeah, so. I think you just gesture. You just don't go down on them. And then you're just, maybe you start touching yourself and you start trying like this? Yeah, you're like, oh, like you start to like, because I think that's the thing I want to shift here. There is that notion that like he, you go down on him and then he might go down on you. But what if you just wait? You're like, my mouth is not going around your penis at all, but this is where it's happening. Maybe you start to just feel you feel yourself, rub yourself, be really like in your body, embodied, which right. is one of the pillars in the book I talk about about sexual intelligence is how in your body are you? How in touch are you with what you want in the moment? Because your partner needs to know that too. So if you're, even if it's a hookup, you can just be like, just keep touching yourself. I mean, if they 
Listen, I'm telling bring you, bring their you, hand down to your, your vagina hand, and then hand. just pulled their head down. I'm kidding. Well, here's the thing. For years, I was like, don't do the head push. I know, but for years, I was but like, guys I, do that to women. Do they used still to do in it? high school. Do they still? I think some guys might still do it. I always hope they they do. I, I mean, I hope they don't do it. But <laughs> that's I'm so anti head push. But I feel unless like, obviously you discuss that previously. Yeah, unless that's part of your arousal, and you're like, I like to be told what to do. I love when someone sticks my their hand and puts it between yeah. their legs. So I think there's ways to do it subtly, and then if you're not, yeah, I think there's ways to show like because also I want to remind everybody that. For the female pleasure is more is there's an orgasm gap and that men are more likely to orgasm in every single sexual situation than women. And this is because men are frying pans and women are slow cookers. It takes us a while to boil to get there. Not again, this is not every, some women get our frying pans. But typically, we need a little bit of that. We need some touching outside of our underwear. We need making out. We need slowness. We need to feel desired. We want to be told that we're hot. Like, we, like, if you're with a guy, like, he's got a boner. Like, it's go. It's good. But yeah, we need he to kisses you and he's boner. He's boner. But we don't work like that. So we need the warm up, the foreplay, the, the sensuality. And oral sex is a big part of that. And this is just sex education like that we do not have porn without the sex education has been very harmful for many people and this is literally machinery think about a penis and think about a vulva and think about learning to drive them and we are teaching you how to drive a vulva or even being turned on i can be turned on in the beginning of the foreplay and this still doesn't guarantee that i'm going to orgasm unless i still need to focus more the or i still have to make sure to feel super comfortable my body you know because i remember a long time ago and we've talked about this in one of our podcasts when I was dating someone and we were sleeping together and right before we're about to have sex, he made some two rude comments about, first he made some rude comment about how I kissed, so I got in my head. And then afterwards, as we're having sex, he goes, wait, why do you do it like that? Like, are we in a porn or something? Why, like, (gasps) don't do that. So after that, he used like seven different toys on me and I couldn't orgasm. Well, duh, because you made me feel like shit about myself. Oh my God, I hope you never were with him again. No, I made him cry, so it worked out. (laughs) And I still came by myself when I told him to get the fuck out of my house. But that was years ago. Yeah. People don't, people just shame. They don't realize that they're shaming. But the only reason And you know where that shame came from? Because he was insecure with himself. Exactly. Listen, if someone makes you feel bad, it's, and this is where we have, this is, this is the work that we have to do and the work that you're doing and the work that we all do. When people say do the work, you have to understand that I, I, I really believe that nobody really wants to hurt you. The last thing that guy wanted to be having sex with you was to shame you. He did not want to make insecure. you feel bad. He was insecure. It usually it's a projection of our deepest insecurities, which is we are not lovable. Oh, that yeah. we're going to be rejected, and then someone's going to leave us. And so, as a result of that, to protect ourselves, we lash out on others because we don't want to be abandoned. But sometimes our behavior will cause us to be abandoned, which is a good thing that we don't want. So that's why emotional regulation, learning to calm our nervous system, learning how to communicate is probably the most important skills we need to have great sex. I like that. Um, yeah, because you, you that's a big thing in your book and in general in your podcast, how communication is the key in relationships, especially when it comes to sex. Yep. Okay, so moving on, what would you say, although I feel like you kind of said it, do you think, what would you say the biggest misconception or taboos there are when it comes to sex? Mm, taboos when it comes to sex or misconceptions. There's so 
how many? How much time do we have? Uh, no, um, misconceptions are, I think we said misconceptions over like everyone has to come every time or women should come during um, penetration. Um, taboos, lots of taboos around anal. And I really want to rebrand anal sex. You have a whole chapter about I anal. I rebrand anal in here because anal gets a bad rap because a lot of people. Chapter eight. Chapter eight is anal. It's all about anal. And and not only that, I get into the psychological aspect, not just the tips, which there are like literally every sex tip. This is like a sex Bible. Smart sex is a sex Bible that you will have every tip you ever wanted. But I also put in the psychology behind it. Like what is good? Why is it so taboo? I mean, I get it. Like the anus is for exiting and it feels like the last vestige. Like if I give someone my ass, I'm giving them everything. And there's all this religion around it and what it means about your sexuality. But let me just break sex down for everybody. Your anus, no matter if you have a penis or a vagina, has a lot of nerve endings. And those nerve endings can feel incredible when stimulated correctly with the right amount of lube, going slow, using fingers, all the things. But most of us just have so much like weirdness around it that we just do it wrong or we say it's, we don't ever want to do it. And I venture everybody to try everything once and do it correctly. Yeah, so I think this is a great segue to kind of dive into now Emily's book that's coming out this week. week. June 13th. June 13th, and her book, Smart Sex. And it's basically an insightful guide, a sex book uh, with science and advice on navigating our sex life in a positive and healthy and fulfilling way. And she has numerous chapters. One of the chapters I wanted to dive into anyway is basically chapter eight, which is called Get Ready, Willing, Get ready, willing, and anal. Uh-huh. And diving into anal, a lot of my girlfriends have been trying out, have been doing morning anal. It's like a thing now. Morning anal. Morning is like the anal. Big you heard it here. Morning anal has been making me want to do anal, and I'm not even sexually active right now <laughs> with my vagina, at least. So, did you do anal though? I've actually been thinking about it. I feel like I talk about it so much with every guy day. I'm like, are you, what do you think of anal? Because suddenly right. that's all I think about now. <laughs> but I think maybe so I should try right also sex before I dive into anal, but uh, they've been really into morning anal and they said that their partners would make them feel really secure and morning anal is like a thing. Do you kind of have some tips on how to properly prep for anal? Yes, I do. And uh, morning anal, I would love to hear more about that. Then you're really awake. Like you don't even need your coffee. You're like, I'm up. I got this. Let's go. Let's do the day. You know, my best tips for anal sex is to start really, really slow. Start exploring on your own first. First, during masturbation, which is, a, like we said, a huge part of being sexually healthy overall, start to explore yourself. Use your, your own bu- fingers. Your bum? Yeah. Okay. With your own finger, with your own toy. Um, and just like, and one of the rules is use lots of lube because the anus is not self-lubricating. So you have to use a ton of lube. Make sure that your hands are washed, your nails are cut because um, you don't want to cut yourself because the tissues um, are very, very thin, the anal tissue. And you want to just explore, see what that feels like. And then if you're with a partner too, you don't have to go from zero to anal. You can just start with a finger. Start with licking like analingus. And if you're grossed out about, let's talk about like everyone's worried about poo and descent. I think that is the main thing people are worried about. Shower beforehand. You can shower before anal. You can make sure that you've emptied your bowels. Listen, most of us know when we are empty. Like if you just went out for a huge feast last night and you had lots of beans and rice or you had a big something, big burrito, I don't know, whatever, all of our bodies are different. 
but you might know like this might not be the best time for anal sex. Right. But if you naturally empty your bowels and you know, then you're you're probably good to go. But you can't do an enema. I talk all about this too. Like you could do a buy an enema in the store, empty out the like vinegar that comes in it, and yeah, just I was gonna add say some you should do it right before you have anal. No, but do it like twenty four hours before. Yeah. And because you have residue that leaks It through, does. Yeah, uh, you don't want to do it like five minutes before the shower. No, no. you do not want to do that. That's That could leave you some unsavory uh, anal residue for sure. And you want to do it, yeah, you want to do it beforehand just if it makes you feel more confident and secure, then absolutely. Like I have zero problems with that. I have a friend that the way she preps for anal is normally she, her and her partner hang out, watch TV while they she puts up a small little butt plug up her bum. Okay. They're watching TV, so her hole is expanding, so 20, 30 minutes. And then they start doing their foreplay and they start to hook up. And as they're hooking up, he's obviously making her wet and all that. And then they take out the butt plug. And I don't know if they use lube or not, but then yeah. her hole is... Because it's all about feeling comfortable. Because if your partner makes you feel comfortable, you're yeah. not... You're not, um, what is it called when you're clenching. you're not clenching your bum? Yeah. So here's one of the things with anal sex is that so my, my big things are going slow and using lots of lube and breathing and clench. So what happened is the reason why anal gets a bad rap too, besides the taboo and all the things, is that we do, when someone comes near our butt, guess what we do? We clench and we tighten. And it's really hard to get anything inside of it to feel good, to feel the nerve endings. So it's really important to breathe, to release, to use a butt plug so it stretches out. I have a great new store on my website. If you go to sexwithemily.com, I have just have like a curated store of my favorite anal pro- or all products because it's very overwhelming now. There's like a ton of butt plugs. There's a ton of sex toys. I just put the ones on there that I, that I actually recommend and like, like different sizes. You might want a vibrating butt plug. You might want a smaller butt plug. You might want like an anal trainer kit, which there's like four different kinds and just playing with it. But the point is you do get more comfortable putting things inside of you once you practice and a butt plug is a great way to do it or a finger and then breathe and then get comfortable with it inside of you and breathe. Like how does it actually feel for something inside of me? Because you can orgasm through anal for women, but it's because the penis is hitting the wall that's connected to your yeah, vagina like in, walls? Yeah, there's exactly. There's like indirect stimulation to the clitoris um, with the with the vaginal, with the anal, with an, anal sex. But there can also be some clitoral stimulation. You know, there's all these like nerve endings that work together. And it's different on every single person. But yes, there are anal orgasms for sure. It helps to already be aroused and turned on clitorally to be like, because sometimes we are clit, when our clitoris, we have clitoral orgasms. That's why I love what you're saying about your friends. And they're already, she's already turned on. They're watching TV. When we, because the clitoris is like external part of the vagina where all the magic happens. And when you start to massage that area and get turned on, then it, the whole area becomes engorged and then the internal clitoral nerves or the G-spot area starts to swell and become even easier to detect, which is also going to impact our anus. So it's all interconnected and that is how the orgasms happen. Okay, so I've still never have had a G-spot orgasm and even I feel that the closest I've ever gone to or I thought I've gone to was it seems a big trend now where guys try to make women squirt and they just do that thing with the fingers. Yeah. It's like a big trend. And I think even this one guy that I did last year, he was so into trying to make me orgasm and he was just obsessed with everything down there. And I remember he went down me forever and then he switched up and he suddenly was 
when I couldn't come from him going down me because it was our first time, he like switched up and suddenly he was doing the thing and uh, to make me squirt. And I remember I just felt really wet. Like I didn't feel, it felt good, but I didn't feel the ending part. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel the yeah, finishing can... part. Mm-hmm. So then, and then I was just like, oh, I'm so wet. Wait, did I squirt? I'm so confused. And he just looked disappointed again that I couldn't make me squirt. But then I was confused because I was like, did I squirt? Did I not? What's happening? Yeah. Was that my G spot when guys try to make you squirt? Is that your G spot? Yeah, that is your G spot. That's in that they, they are stimulating the G spot, which is internal, and they are doing that motion sometimes. And that is where, all, like, applying all that pressure to the G spot or the G area, as I call it, is where the squirting can come out, um, where you can have that release. Now, here's the thing I want to say about squirting there's a lot of pressure with squirting right now because it's been hailed this incredible sexual feat if a, if, if a woman can squirt. Well, I think it's because a man can't figure out yet how to make a woman come from her clitoris. They, he found something, they found something new and now they feel like a king yeah. because it's, it's literally without you needing to think too much, it's your body functioning in this weird way where if they click enough times on this button, <laughs> something comes out of it. They're like digging around for change there like in a gumball machine. But here's the thing. And... I don't know if this is going to be a huge disappointment for many people, but you can, I'm going to say the majority of women, it's tough to say because we don't study, unfortunately, there's not enough money and research to study these things. But I would say in the experience that I have talking to thousands, tens of thousands of people, that most women squirt without orgasm. That squirting and orgasm are not analogous. Oh, you can orgasm. so me feeling super wet, I may have actually squirted, have squirted but, but you didn't I have didn't orgasm. Orga- yeah. I was so confused by that. I know, there you go. You I just didn't. Felt it. Well, I didn't even know it was happening. Right, <laughs> and it's confusing because you're like, and then and then here's the thing though, just because you don't have an orgasm doesn't mean it doesn't feel good. Like it's a release, and you got this flooding. I didn't get my release. Though. Yeah. Okay. Well, that then that sounds like all around it wasn't a good. It wasn't fun. That just sounds like we gotta do that again. No. Then he flipped me over and started eating my butthole. I was like, I honestly, I was actually very thankful for this guy. I really liked how enthusiastic <laughs> he was. Guy? He was so into pleasing He's in England, you. So okay, we'll go we'll visit him. Yeah. Um, I love I love someone who's like enthusiastically wants to please you. Like that's what we want. We want someone who's like rubbish our body and like, okay, does this work? Does this work? What makes you feel good? Let's figure it out. Yeah, that was enough for me. I. Th- I, I felt so many different sensations I actually didn't need to come. It was more about the fact that to watch how into me this guy was and how much he wanted to make me come, that was more than enough. Uh, me not coming had nothing to do with him. And I yeah. think a lot of times people don't get that. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that that's such a great point to let your partner know, like, it's okay, I'm not going to come right now. Because sometimes we just know. And they think it's them sometimes. Yeah, right, they do. And I think this is where the communication comes in. I mean, honestly, like I, I get to play with partners where I'm like, it's not going to happen right now. And because I, I know and I want, this is what I want. This is, smart sex is about empowering everybody to have the tools in their own hand to know exactly what it takes to orgasm and to feel good. So we're not relying on any outside forces to make it happen. And so then when it doesn't happen or it's not going to happen or it is going to happen, we know exactly why, we know exactly how, and then we can share that with a partner. Uh, And I'm not blaming. I read research that said that you're more likely to quote unquote squirt or orgasm from your G spot after you first have a clitoris yes. orgasm. It's, it's that's true. Correct. You're more likely to have a G spot orgasm. Yes, because oh, that's what I was saying earlier about the the clitoris is like your warm up button. It's like putting the 
foot on the gas. It's like, okay, now we're going, now we're going, we're getting, we're getting warmed up, we're getting warmed up. But since it's this complex network of neurons and nerve endings of your entire pelvic floor, then you realize that like with the clitoris, like there's, there's 12,000 nerve endings in the clitoris that are just, it's not just that little button on the outside, it goes deep inside. So when you have your clitoral orgasm, it's like you're turning on the network. Wow. You're like, all the lights are going on and you're like, oh, wow, okay, now. So it's really, that, and this is why penetration is such a disservice for many people with a vagina because when sex starts and a penis goes directly into the vagina right away, like bam, 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 we're not even warmed up, turned on, our, we didn't have a clitoral orgasm yet. Sometimes we don't even feel anything. It feels numb. But when you take the time to go down on a woman, to please her, to, to arouse her, to use lube, use your mouth, use your hands, use a toy, and get her going and prime her, prime the pump, get it going, then go inside and play around. Right. And that's when you're going to have your pleasure or your orgasms. And that's why it shouldn't be something that men can now skip the trying to give a woman a clitoral orgasm because you still need to turn that part on in order to have a more enjoyable G-spot orgasm. Wait, can everyone be a squirter? You know, I hate, okay, so in my work, I very rarely say everybody can do anything because mm -hmm. then people are like, well, I wasn't, duh, duh, duh. but I do believe with the right focus and intention and patience that pretty much anyone could learn to squirt. Okay, I like that. So it's kind of about mindfulness, which is something yes. that you talk in your book about the power mm -hmm. of mindfulness in sexual experiences. Mm -hmm. And I feel, and we've talked about this earlier and also on your, um, when I went on your podcast, uh, I feel like we often get in our heads during sex because we don't realize how intimate it is for both parties. So can you share some techniques, I guess, again, based on your yeah. book and how we can be more present and more engaged during sex. Absolutely. I, I think that one of, we were talking about some of the biggest challenges and the top questions I get asked from people, and that is, why am I disassociating during sex? Why can't I stay present and focused? Why am I thinking about my to-do list or why am I thinking about my body and all those things that's keeping us from being in the moment and being present sexually? And so one of the best tips that I've got a bunch of in there is to learn to be present, which is easier said than done. But a great way to do that is if you know that you're somebody that are lost in your head, your thoughts, you're looking around the room, you're like, when's this gonna end? Or does this person like me? Think about the five senses. And ground yourself in the moment where you're like, where you think about, even if you don't get through all five, you can say like, okay, well, I'm my, I'm tripping in my head right now. And you can say like, what am I seeing? Okay, I'm looking at my partner's beautiful body. What am I hearing? I'm hearing that playlist. What am I smelling? I'm smelling the candle. What am I tasting? And then when you do that, it grounds you in the moment. Because when you are truly sensing, I'm like feeling my, Right now, I'm even being more grounded. Like my, I feel the velvet of the couch. I'm breathing. You know, I'm just, I just now, I just got much more present and grounded. Like I literally have no other thoughts than being here with you, Violet Benson. And that is a, a great way to do that. Also breathing. Breathing when we, we intentionally breathe with a partner. And sometimes I'll do this too. Like I, I have all, I wrote this book for me too. Like I, I have all the tools that I still need because sometimes I'll start having sex my partner and it'll, I'll realize I lost my, like uh, it's happening too quickly or I wasn't quite ready or I still have an unfinished something. I'll stop. I'll do whatever I need to do. And then I'll come back 
Or sometimes I'll just stop in the middle and say, can we breathe for a minute? And we'll just stop and we'll look into each other's eyes and we'll reset and we'll ground. And it helps to count to five in your inhale and five in your exhale. And you do that three times, you have like a clean sex slate. and You can start over. Oh, what are some good tips if you are with your partner and your partner lost your male partner lost their erection or they can't come and instead of saying what the fuck why are you soft is it me am i ugly and so what are some ways to make your your partner feel comfortable but the fact that you know they went soft and you know it has nothing to do with you what can you do yeah let's normalize the fact that it has nothing to do with you that that penises stay hard they get soft we don't know why it doesn't really matter but it doesn't mean that it's gone forever it just means like don't panic and go back to making out go back to maybe touching them softly like touching them on their penis or their shaft or they're rubbing your hands over their body listen this is if your penis goes soft also a great time to start going down on your partner because a lot of times the penis goes soft because we're thinking about our penis going soft. We're like, is am I going to get hard? Is it going to stay hard? It's anxiety. But guess what? It's going to come back. You didn't lose your erection forever, but what you can do is focus on giving. Yes, and then watching your partner orgasm or moan and all that, I'm sure it will then It'll bring-, bring it back. Exactly. It's not like a catastrophe. It doesn't mean like it just the less we trip on it and the more we just stay pro. Because sex is, there's so many things to do sexually that also I want people to feel like it's not like you're on this linear path. We make out, the clothes come off, we start making out, the penis is hard, the vulva is wet. No, like it, it doesn't work like that. Sometimes you stop in the middle and get a sandwich. Like it's all fine and you just can't get attached to that it should be one way. It's different every time. I agree, I like that. I think my biggest my biggest turn on is if you have if if after you have sex if you're still hanging out in bed and then you're about to start again you're not thinking about any body fluids or anything like that because I remember this the last guy that I slept with over a year ago the way we slept together was we had sex then we're just laying hanging out like cuddling naked in bed and then out of nowhere we just start making out again I remember he just wanted to, to go down me and I in my brain I'm thinking like what the hell his penis was just inside yeah. of me and he came somewhere and that like you know <laughs> we never really cleaned anything but he just and I was like wait no and he just didn't care and he moved my hand yeah. and he starts going down then he went to the edge of the bed and pulled me to the edge of the bed and just started eating me out and I was like that is the hottest thing ever yeah. and I don't know if it's because he could tell for a second I was like wait no it's it's weird I gotta pee I gotta and wash he, up and he noticed how uncomfortable I got and right away he just went it to town and that was so sexy and it made me feel so sexy. Mm, I love that. I love that he just had the confidence. I mean, sometimes we just need to do that. We just need to let go of what we're worried about because remember, sex can be like, have different smells and odors and more. it's just, and that's like part of it. Like if you could get into that, it's it's really, really hot. And the fact that he was just like, I don't really care. Like I'm just yeah. going to it, you know? Do you have, can you share, can you share a story? Can you share a story of someone who may have applied some of the principles in your book and have seen a positive transformation in their own sex life? Oh my God. Yeah. I, there are so many. I mean, you realize that over the almost 20 years, I've had millions in, of listeners and thousands of people have given me feedback over the years, but I would say the most typical um, person, I would say a story about, um, there's so many. So there's a couple I remember who had 
grew up, they both grew up in like a really religious backgrounds where they were not told anything about sex. I think they didn't have sex until their wedding night. Cute. Cute. So, and that's common, right? Yeah. But since they didn't really talk about sex and they didn't really know about sex, they just kept having it. And she had a lot of pain. She didn't realize that she had pain during sex. And so she just kind of kept grinning and bearing it. He could tell that she didn't like it. And then they started listening to the show and they realized that she had something called vaginismus, which is a very common thing for women to have. It just means you have like too many nerve endings that that can get inflamed. It could mean a lot of different reasons why we have pain. For these women, maybe they put a tampon inside or a finger inside or a penis size or anything makes it feel bad. So she went to a pelvic floor physical therapist and she figured out how to have less pain. So that was one thing. But then she realized that she'd always had pain during sex. So she had to like learn together. And I remember getting this email for them and they're like, Dr. Emily, we've been listening to your show. And they're like, we did the yes, no, maybe list, which is like this free download on my site of like all the sex acts that couples can do it together to figure out all the things they like together. Do I like, do we like kissing? Do we like anal? Do we like, like they did. I remember them being like a student of sex. They're like, we talked about our boundaries. We did the yes, no, maybe list. We did mutual masturbation, which is another one of my hottest tips for couples. Mutual masturbation. Mutual masturbation. Couples love that. So they got over their pain in their backgrounds. They realized that sex was comfortable to talk about, that it wasn't shameful. She healed her pain. Then they went on this path and became like, like A plus students of Mutually masturbation is once you get over the fact that like we all should masturbate and we're all masturbating, lying there naked with your partner and while they're pleasing themselves and you're pleasing yourself, not only is it like a, it's almost like a twofer because you know you're going to get off, but then you're watching your partner and you're learning. You're like, oh, I didn't know that you took your hand and it goes up and over your penis or you put your hand on your balls and then your partner is learning that you put two fingers inside of you when you're masturbating. Like it's, and it's just hot. So I would say this couple in particular, like I remember just reading going, oh my God, you did everything and you are really growing and they shed all the shame and they're just having hot sex now. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. What what would you say the benefits are of mutual masturbation? The benefits of mutual masturbation are, number one, you know you're going to have an orgasm. It's a sure thing. And number two, you are learning what your partner likes. So it's educational. You're like, I'm, oh, I, I'm learning that you like this thing. And it's just really hot to see them. I guess it's really hot to see your partner take pleasure into their own hands. So too. How do you, how do you kind of get into it? What do you do? You both just get naked and you sit across from each other? Yeah, you could get naked. You can sit across from each other. You can just like, like I said, I have this yes, no, maybe list that, that has that on there, which is like, because what I try to do is I give couples tools. So, 
because these conversations are hard to have, but if they both checked yes on my yes, no, maybe list, that they both wanted to mutually masturbate, well, then they've already cleared the ground to know that that's something that they want to do. But maybe you just both lying there in bed one day, like a Saturday morning, and you just sort of start touching yourself. And you're like, I want to see you touch yourself right now. I'm going to start touching. You just like, put your hand on your pants. That's so hot. Right? Like, here's some lube. Put your hand on your pants. Like, I want to watch. Always have a lube on your nightstand. Please. Always. You know how I feel about lube. I bought you some lube. You, you brought me some lube? I bought you lube. I bought okay, you a toy. I think, I think the, the lube I have is from the last time you brought me lube. So it's probably <laughs> expired. Well, this is why I need to come every year. Yeah. I think we need lubes all the time, everywhere. Every sex that. act make lubes better. I think I even have one in my pocket right now. Lube? I didn't mean to because I these pants last time I wore them. It's called, this is the best lube. I don't even know if I brought you this one. Did I bring you this one? This is Morgasm. It's not used. It's a sample. Okay. This lube is a water-based arousal lubricant that it tingles and it has CBD in it. And it smells like you. I'm kidding. Good. <laughs> it's not used, but I've like literally had it in my pocket. Um, but it's uh makes you it's like has a tingling sensation too and it feels good. I mean, I wanna like destigmatize lube because lube when you use lube during any sexual situation, masturbation, when you're with any partner or vulva especially, that women are more likely to orgasm when you use lube. So it's no actually shame in the lube insane, game. But it's so true. It doesn't matter how quote unquote wet you get, because I get pretty wet. And yeah. we've had this conversation a long time ago when we did an interview. Yeah. I didn't understand the point of lube and I told yeah. you that because okay, but I already get wet. Then I tried it even with masturbating and it made the biggest difference. Huge difference. Not only that, it's easier to have multiple orgasms when you're using exactly. lube. Exactly. You have to, I almost think you have to use lube for multiple orgasms because your wetness level, you might be wet, but you don't stay wet the whole time or your wetness level changes throughout your menstrual cycle. Different times a month, you're wetter than others. So just, it's almost like using sunblock on a cloudy day where you're like, yo, I could get, I, I gotta be, it's preventative. It's almost like whether or not you're wet, if you just add a few drops to your clitoris, you're gonna, just safety. Okay, so in your in your book, Smart Sex, you have so many different chapters. Which chapter would you say is your favorite one? It's a really great question. I would say that the five pillars of sex IQ is my favorite chapter because it was because I realized after writing it like that I had all of these tips, right? And the chapters are like my best tips for oral, my best tips for anal, my best communication tips, my best I have like I heard like an illustrator just the best illustrations, sex positions. And that's all great. But what I realize is a lot of people have come to me over the years because they want a quick fix or they want tips. But until you have a really strong foundation of understanding that your mental health, your physical health, your spiritual health, your self-knowledge, your sexual, your, your, your self-knowledge, your self-acceptance, those are the foundational keys to having great sex. So in the chapter of the five pillars, I explain to people the connection between your emotional intelligence, your your sexual, your your self confidence, and how all of those factors are gonna. If you understand them, and you can take my sex IQ quiz, which is on my website, you can understand which areas you need to strengthen. So when you are having anal sex or you are having oral sex, you're bringing your whole being to the table, and you know how to troubleshoot so you could be the most present and the most turned on for. Any sex Should we situation. do this, uh, the your IQ? We could do yes. it, yeah. Let's just do it. Should we do it all, or should we just we could do a few of it, or um, yeah? What do we? The one we Why just not? did in your podcast yeah. was that. Should I ask you? 
Yeah, but I'm going to say yes, doll. Yes. We can do that. Let's do it. Yeah, but you know what? It fluctuates over time. All right. So so on Emily's podcast that I just went on, she she did the the sex IQ, the sex IQ on me and how I answered. And now we're going to do it on her. So basically, the answers are between strongly disagree, disagree, neither or agree. Okay. Okay. And strongly agree. Okay. So strongly disagree, disagree, neither agree or strongly agree. And this changes over the years. So that's what's important to always just kind of, you know, something to go over for you or for you and your partner just to see where you guys are at. And it gets you, gives you a better idea of where you're at sexually. Okay. You ready? Yes. I'm ready. Let's go. Number one. And you guys answer this for yourselves as well. Number one, during sex, I'm able to be present and focus and enjoy my body sensation and notice what does or doesn't feel good. Strongly agree. Two, I feel like I'm generally in good health. I eat a balanced diet and exercise regularly. I'm on top of any medication I need and any health issues I may have are primarily under control. Strongly agree. I know what I need prior to sex in order to fully relax in that moment. For example, I need to shower, connect with my partner, make sure the house is in order, or know that there's no rush and we have plenty of time for foreplay. I agree. I have explored my body and know how and where I like to be touched to experience the most pleasure. I agree. And I think things are changing for me, so it's not probably wouldn't be strongly agree right now. And there's still some stuff I'm working on. Thank you for your honesty. Yeah course people I, I, this is why i wrote this because i need this my i'm changing week to week month to month sometimes i feel better in my body than others sometimes i need different things and so it's changing and i'm, I'm, I'm working on it so i gotta be honest i masturbate regularly and i have a good understanding of how to give myself an orgasm i agree but i haven't been masturbating as regularly as i'm telling everyone to i've been busy right book but okay yeah, i agree <laughs> Um, I enjoy and feel comfortable both giving and or receiving oral sex. Strongly agree. Okay. But not always. Had to work on that too. I have a rich fantasy life that I accept and enjoy either while masturbating or with a partner. Agree. But I don't have, I got to want to say, I want to say something about fantasies. I'm not somebody who has a lot of fantasies typically that I'm more of a present and because I want to just show people that not everybody has rich fantasies. I think fantasy is an important part of sex. If you have them, not to shame yourself and not to stop them. But my brain is, I'm more of a person who's present or I think about things that have already happened than creating like elaborate tales. Oh, normally I, I imagine things already happened. Yeah. Okay. Same. And then last one, we're not going to go to all the questions. Last one I is- I will take it on their own. I know what turns me on and how I want to feel during sex, whether it's being worshipped or in charge or even something like being disrespected or degraded. Yes, I strongly agree. I strongly agree. How do you find out what turns you on and what you want during sex? It's a great question. Um, Honestly, it's my sexual history. I think that I've had to take the time, which is what we talk about in Smart Sex, which is what I talk about in Smart Sex. I've had to look back at my sexual history and be like, what do I like? What does turn me on? And it's so empowering because like I said, we're responsible for our own pleasure and our own orgasms. I used to leave it up to my partners to figure it out and hope they would. But I go back in time and I think like, I know what I liked, what I didn't like. I don't, I want to feel, I know that I need to feel safe with somebody. I know I want to know they think I'm hot and sexy. Um, I know that, uh, 
It's just from history. I mean, every time we have, it's like, how do you know what kind of food you like? How do you know what kind of restaurants you like? Trying it, right? You try it. I've learned. I've tried. I've, I've, I, I, I pay attention. So, but I think for years I didn't pay as much attention. I just sort of was going through the motions. But now I want to like, I do this and I empower people to really just pay attention because you have all the information you need to date to know your sexual history and what's going to turn you on. And then that's always growing and changing. We get to monitor it. Um, you get to evolve with your own sexuality. This is a question that I ask in every interview about the number one uh, best oral method. So, for, and you know what's crazy? I call every interview you ask about oral sex method? every other interview, but it seems that even though I ask, I never actually try it, which is, I still have never done this method. But this is the number one best oral method on women that every man should know and every man should try. And for whatever reason, I still do it the normal way. What is it? The Kivin method? Yes, the Kivin method. We, yes, the Kivin method. It's such a good method. When we, It's basically when you're going down on a vulva, instead of going up and down, like head to toe, your tongue is going up and down, you go side to side. So thigh to thigh, thigh to thigh, because that's where you're going to hit the most nerve endings. Because remember, it's packed with so many nerve endings. So thigh to thigh, you're going to hit more surface area. And this has had rave reviews over the years. I remember I first talked about it on my podcast maybe 10 years ago now. And I don't think I, I, I don't think that I had ever till this day received as many emails from people and DMs at the time it was emails. And now it's DMs who are like, holy shit, I've been my partner for a long time and they've never orgasmed oral or they never had such crazy orgasms, now they did. And it's basically the way they can do this is if they also go from, they are laying from the side. Yes. So they can still make their tongue perpendicular so their tongue can still go up and down, but just from the side. So then it still yes. goes side to side on the clitoris. Exactly. So you're lying, this, this is the clitoris, and then the person's like, lying, their mouth is like right here, the tip of my finger, so they're lying this way. going in. You're going at for the side. You're approaching, instead of like, Lying yeah. between the legs, you're going at it this way. Yeah, this is all do that. getting me so excited. I'm like, okay, I just need someone to go down. Me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, DM her, I guess. <laughs> if you want to do the Kevin method, I've got pictures. Um, before we close off this, what would you say the hardest chapter for you uh, to write was? Um, A chapter that maybe if you, you want to admit that you still – throughout your whole life you still struggled with or took you the longest to overcome? I would say that writing about my own, let's see. It's a really good question. I would say probably writing about my own traumas or my own experience with sex and like my own childhood stuff that had allowed me to feel unsafe in my body and like family, like just growing up in an environment that wasn't safe, not necessarily sexually, but just growing up in a volatile household that didn't, that I realized years later, like allowed me not to feel safe in my body. And uh, I talk a lot about the nervous system and the things that uh, keep us deregulated. So I think talking about some of that stuff, because a lot of times, like after all these years, I'm mostly giving people advice. I'm mostly like, you know, helping but I think it was important to 
um, share some of my own, like how I got to where I am today. That's really important. And that's so interesting about the fact that I, I don't think we realize how much everything goes back to our bodies and even the sex like you would never think that if you didn't feel safe in your household how it may make you not feel safe in your own body which may make your sex less good exactly i didn't realize that my body was in fight or flight and clenching so when you're clenching and honestly i think a lot of women have this too why they might have vaginismus or why they might have some tensions in their body or they're not able to release or feel pleasure is because they literally are walking around in bodies that are hypervigilant and they don't feel safe. And so, and sometimes when they get into a sexual situation with someone, they clench up and they feel numb. And so there is a process of becoming more embodied, which is one of the pillars of sexual intelligence is learning to be, feel more in your body. Um, it's not a given that we're all going to feel sexually in touch without doing the work. Got it. So is it, is it basically just the, you know, feeling this, yeah, is it's there anything feeling, like how did you get from work. that area where you didn't feel safe in your own body to now all the way where you are where you give advice for a living about sex and you lots got and to learn lots about yourself? Of therapy, lots of movement, lots of um lots of trauma therapy, um doing like pole dancing classes where I got really comfortable in my body and moving my body like they're all like the s factor it's all based on like the s curve of a woman's body and learning to get comfortable my pelvic floor strengthening um my pelvic floor just becoming i guess becoming more 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 in touch like um prioritizing movement dance breath work um meditation mindfulness made me realize now i know when i'm not regulated so yeah, and it's a process. Like I still have times where I feel hypervigilant and I'm stressed and my back hurts and I'm sitting and you know. And so I just want to remind people that like it is a journey. You don't get to a fixed state of being, I yes, I'm a sex expert. I've been doing this for 20 years. I have a doctorate in human sexuality. I still have to work on all of the pillars to be to to be as sexually healthy and as sexually intelligent as I can be on a day-to-day basis. And I just want to let people know that it's not like you get to a place and you're done and you check it off the list. But because sexual health and wellness is so friggin' important and such an important part of our overall well-being, I think it's just really important for people to realize that like it's something you got to work on and pay attention to throughout your lifetime. Got it. How, so how do you prioritize then scheduling sex with your partner if you've been together for a, a minute or a while? Like, How do you make that a priority to not just sex, just the intimacy. That's because that could be missing in sex, and also people are not having sex. Yeah. And you know what else? Some people think they're craving sex, but they're really craving intimacy. Aww. They're craving like hand holding and cuddling and massage. I encourage couples to first just say, like, let's figure out the best. Okay, so here's a sexual history. When is the best time for us to have sex if you're in a relationship? Well, you know it's not Monday nights because that's when the kids are have their whatever, their soccer games late, or like that's when you're exhausted from the weekend. Okay, and you know it's not any night during the week past 10 o'clock because you have to get to bed. Whatever, so figure it out. You're like, oh, well, we seem to really like sex on Saturday mornings or Saturday nights because it's our date night. But what if so mornings are the that. only time that's open for you, but I don't like my body during the day. So what are we supposed to do then? I think what do you that's- mean? So, but, but if mornings are the best, then you choose mornings though. 
then I know, but for women who don't feel comfortable then with their bodies, what do they do? If morning is the only time we can have sex, me and my partner, we haven't been having sex in a while, but I don't feel good. I don't feel comfortable in my body having sex during the daylight. Oh, because it's daylight. Yeah. It's daylight. You know, that is a shades. journey. Shades and realizing that you're with a partner that you love. And that's why I talk a lot. I have a whole thing in the book about yourself acceptance. Self-acceptance is a journey, not a destination. And there are some very serious, there are some really important work you can do around learning to accept your body. Because if that is a really important pillar, if right. you do not accept your body, how can you and expect not other even love to it. accept Who's it? Who's going to? Right. How will they? They won't. So if it is just morning sex and you don't want to do like, that's a whole nother like, well, then maybe you don't pick that as a time that you schedule sex. But if you and your partner agree, like we value our relationship enough that we're going to do whatever we can to prioritize intimacy. And you're going to hack that. And you're going to be like, what do we need to do to make it happen? Nothing is ideal, clearly, because we're not having sex without scheduling it. But when you schedule it, you find that time and you stick with it and you prioritize it. And then you figure all the things that you need to happen to make it hot. I like that because it's not really scheduling the sex, it's scheduling intimacy. So again, like you said, it's the holding hands, the massages, the date, the communication, whatever it is. That's That's the human lubrication exactly. before you get into the bedroom that's it that's the foreplay it's a, get a massage table like do something in your house where you can do one-way touch and one time your partner is giving you massage and you give them one like just learning to give and to receive and to turn each other on in other ways it does isn't just like penetration with my ex-boyfriend the only way i could uh the way i like to get turned on during that time period was getting a massage where he would because at the point i was watching was only massage porn mm -hmm. So he would massage my thighs and then, you know, go up and there was this teasing, like he'll yes. brush over my clitoris or vagina and then go to the other thigh and for some on my stomach. And then when I turned around and he's finally getting to that area, I would feel so much like, oh my God, just touch already. By the time he finally got to my vulva into my clitoris i would orgasm in two seconds yes that's that's the anticipation the buildup that's yeah. the teasing that's why we love teasing and 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 like are you there are you almost there and there's so many nerve endings so just sort of playing with it or lightly brushing brushing past it can be so hot what's something that you feel like i didn't ask you that you want to add i think you asked me so many great questions but i think maybe why no, I think you asked me everything. I just want people to take their sexual health and their pleasure seriously and to understand that it's an important part of their overall being. You might be like working out, eating healthy, doing cold plunges, um, exercising, getting rid of toxic exes, dumping the people that make you feel good on a dating app, doing all the things. But this, if this is, if you are just sort of, gliding over your the sexual innate intelligence that we all have within us, you are not going to be in a healthy relationship that's going to serve you for the rest of your life. And so in this book, uh, which is I want people to think of it as like their new smart sex Bible, it's going to help people wherever they are on their sexual journey. Right. And I like that, you know, listening to yourself, if something makes you feel not safe or clenching up, you know, your butthole clenches up or your vagina clenches up or it feels loads of pain, you know, listen to your body because it is telling you something, something's wrong. There's bodily wisdom. Our bodies, this is this is why I love the embodiment chapter. Our bodies are always telling us something and we just need to learn to pay, listen. Always. 
So would that be the message that you hope to leave your readers with away from the book? Yes. I hope that everybody realizes that you are in- responsible and that you are the- – that the power to have more sex, healthy sex, and more pleasure is in your hands. And there is a formula and there's some tools and you can do it. I like all of that just from you're in control of your own orgasm to if you want someone else to love your body, you have to love it yourself. It's it's not just – it's not the whole taking responsibility for your yourself, but it's kind of in a way to me, it makes me feel better because I know I have no control over other people. But the thought mm. of the, when it suddenly becomes, oh, I do have control over myself, I think it does make things easier because it means I can change things and I can exactly. change I can change how much I love myself. I can change how I view myself. I can change how I view my orgasms. And I mean, even recently I told you how the way I orgasm changed that suddenly only can only orgasm when I'm laying on my stomach, even with a vibrator, even mastering, which is so odd to me. I don't know why. But that's the only way I can orgasm yeah, it's good now. That you know, yeah. Sometimes it's like you're able to apply more pressure, right? I don't know. But yeah, I mean, that's exactly that's a, that's that's. I love that you know what. See how exciting that you changed. <laughs> like people usually get set in the same ways and do the same thing over and over again. And I just think that sex is a is a really fun journey. So everyone, I'd say yeah. everyone to go on the ride. Try new things, you know, try her quizzes, whether it's on her website or from the book, the Sex IQ, because if you are stay closed off, you're never going to know whether or not you like something else, whether or not something else may give you even more pleasure unless you try right. it. And exactly. There's so many paths to pleasure and most of us are not even scratching the surface. We know this much about our, our sex. It's like you're living in a mansion with all of these rooms and most of us are staying in in like a closet when it yeah. comes to sexuality there's like a whole mansion of rooms and i invite people to like open the doors go inside and start exploring right so lubrication 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 comes for you know always use lubrication <laughs> communication uh foreplay starts outside of the bedroom and then the last one is learn to love your body and accept yourself and your work in your childhood trauma before you expect other people to yes Beautifully said, Violet. All right. Well, uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find Everything is Sex with Emily. Podcast releases twice a week, wherever you listen to your podcast. Please buy the book Smart Sex, wherever you buy your books. Take the Smart Sex quiz on the website. Go shopping in our site and our store. We've got some great toys. It is all Sex with Emily on all the places. And I will leave everything in the description bio of this episode. And let me see in the meantime. I don't know oh if this will be gosh, part of it. But yes. Let me see some of the okay, gifts. So we talked a lot about these are your toys. Yeah. Take a look at these. I love to bring Violet presents besides the lube that was in my pocket. Which is so funny. <laughs> a long time ago, the the gift you brought me was a a, a vibrator necklace. <gasps> the crave necklace. Yeah. I love that. Okay, that is a pelvic floor strengthener. So this is going to be it's electrostimulation that you put in your. Oh, I shouldn't say that. It's electrostimulation. It's a it's uses auto kegel technology. You lay back for twenty minutes, and you use it inside of you, and it does it feels good, and it stimulates your pelvic floor and your blood flow, and helps you have stronger orgasms. It's friggin' awesome. Okay, I thought it was just this blanket thing. I was like, no. I put the whole thing inside of me, but you lay on the blanket, and then there's yes. a thing. So it uses this the whole device. thing. Yeah, this thing, but it's just this big. Okay, it so looks you lay back. Picture. It's called the Yarlap, and you do it a few times a week, and you will have 
a stronger pelvic floor, stronger orgasms. And what happens is for a lot of us over time, like if you have urinary incontinence, sneezing and peeing, it's just like sex exercise. And I'm telling you, you do it a few times a week and then call me in a month. Okay, it's I a game see changer. What you put inside of you. Oh, okay. It's small. Yeah, it's small. You I'm not going to give you anything. So that's the, yeah. And you literally, what I love about it and the reason why I actually do it and I stuck to the routine is because it gets me to lay down and mm-hmm. to do something. And then I read, I meditate. I've even fallen asleep with it in me. And it, it, it like just, it just starts, you feel this like tingling and it's really stimulating collagen and blood flow. And so it helps your, it helps your pelvic floor strengthen. It's like doing kegels. kegels. It does your kegels for you so you don't have to do it. Cool. How cool is that? I'm going to try this for try sure. Try that. And then this is a new line of toys by a company called Saray. It's made by a gynecologist, urologist who's been a urologist who's been studying pelvic floor health, women's health for so long and they like they use all these body safe materials. It's a beautiful product. They even have one that's shaped like a clitoris. But I don't have that one for you. But this is oh, one okay. of the ones that I love. This is a vibrating toy. Um, I just let, feel it. Feel it. You can use yeah. it on yourself. You could use it with a partner. Is this for your bum and for your vagina, right? It's for your vagina. It's, it's oh, a wand. Okay. External stimulation, which is great. Can you put up your ass? You know, I would do it carefully. You could. But I, you everything that you put in your ass, you want to have a flared edge. But neck, I'll send you their app. They have an ass one that's next level. Okay. It's can called I have the that? Reverie. Oh my God, they have an anal plug that changes the angle of your anus. It's called the Reverie. We're going to send you one. I would love that. And then you have, it changes the angle of your anus so you'll have more orgasms. It'll blow your mind. And this is my new favorite lube. It's called Playground. Uh, It is, it's literally like a facial for your vagina, but you can use it no matter what your body part has really feel good ingredients. Leave that one in your nightstand. It tastes good. It feels good. It smells good. It's amazing. Okay, perfect. Happy sexing. That's it. That's why I got you, baby. Thank you so much. All right, you guys, you know where to find Emily. And don't forget to get her book. And thank you so much for listening for another episode of Almost Adulting. Love you. Bye. Bye.